0: Quick note before we begin the episode. Episode 200 is fast approaching and to mark the occasion, Hussam and I will host a special Q&A session with questions from you lovely treasurers. Click on the link in the show notes to submit your question and we will even send a $10 gift card for our favorite five questions. It can be about careers, treasury, corporate treasury 101 or even what Hussam's favorite ice cream flavor is. Deadline to submit your question is December 15th. Have a lovely episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In today's episode, we discuss short term investment in challenging economic times and much more with Oscar Coyle from Treasury Spring. Oscar currently serves as the head of corporate at Treasury Spring, where he has been shaping the corporate strategy. Treasury Spring is a fintech that enables businesses to access fixed-term funds, which offer the chance for clients to invest surplus cash with banks governments, and SSAs, Supras, Subsovereign, and agencies. As of today, they have managed over $75 billion worth of flows with clients ranging from listed corporates to financial institutions, as well as SMEs and VC-backed companies. In the episode of today, expect to learn how short-term investment has evolved over the past years. What are the short-term investment choices offered to treasurers nowadays? How do rising interest rates affect treasurer's short-term investment strategy? How should treasurers manage cash and risk in a rising interest rate environment? What does treasury spring offer for corporate short-term investments compared to traditional money market funds, for instance? And like always, much, much more. In a period where cash is becoming more and more expensive, handling surplus of cash properly is not nice to have anymore. It is a must have. Our conversation with Oscar was very insightful on understanding the different options out there and how we should approach short term investment nowadays. We truly hope you will enjoy the episode. And if that is the case, when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us and help more people learn about Treasury. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering Treasury, finance and risk management with tailored automation solution. They use robotic process automation or PA, AI, APIs and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free, non-intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101. And with all that being said, please welcome Oscar Coyle. Oscar, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, We would like to start uh, by talking about short-term investments and its landscape. So could you maybe give us a brief overview of what short-term investments are, why they matter and how treasurers should be looking at them?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. And um, I think when the, when the, you know, to take it, take it back just just a quick step and exactly, you know, so what is a short-term investment? You know and what is what is cash management you know it is exactly that it's investing so you are choosing to place your money somewhere so if you're choosing to place it in a bank deposit you're you're taking on that bank's risk you are taking on a degree of credit risk you are in fact giving that bank an unsecured loan so it's always remember, uh, always important i think really to remember that actually even if you're just placing money on a deposit it's not like it's actually locked away in a safe right you know as you imagine when you're a child and it's in a bank and it's in a safe that's not quite how it is you are lending that money to the bank and i think what really has been popular for corporate treasurers has somewhat been dictated by what is easy you know what's what's easy to get your hands on and and what's easy to access and really that's been two things um that's been Short-term money market funds. So you should play rated liquidity funds. They've been around now since the 1970s. Maybe we'll talk about them a little bit later, um, but corporate treasurers use those. They've got great utility, same day access and allow treasurers to be somewhat flexible with, with their money. And, and, and like I say, there's portals for them. There's multiple different homes they can access them. And then of course, everyone needs banks, right? Everyone needs to have, pay their staff, pay their vendors. So they're going to need to use banks. So having a relationship there allows them to set up term deposits. So they're the traditional ways in which corporate treasurers, large businesses, small businesses have have managed cash. And if we look now at where we are in terms of a a landscape, you know, we're in an environment which a lot of corporate treasurers won't have experienced now for either the majority of their career or certainly not for a number of years, and that's high interest rates. And so if we look, if we look really at, at dollars to start with in the, in the US market, the US T-bills are breaching 5%. And that's not happened for a number of years. And even if you look further down the curve, US bond market is, is, is out at 5% in the 10-year space. That hasn't happened for 16 years. So these higher for longer interest rates is an environment um, many corporate treasurers haven't had to deal with. And so all of a sudden, if you're sat on a reasonable amount of cash, and you're not doing something with it in the in the short term space, the opportunity cost is 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 biting you. Um, so that's the landscape. It's now more important than ever, I think, um, to to do something efficient with your surplus cash.
2: And I mean, you touched on it there about the interest rates, Oscar. So given that, how has that impacted the overall short term investment options available to treasurers? Like, what have you seen treasurers? Uh, having access to and perhaps not having access to that they used to before
1: yeah absolutely so talking about money market funds they're obviously a maturity transformed vehicle so they're able to invest money out to 12 months and under in order to give a, uh, a client a higher rate of return so although the client's getting saved access themselves they're able to benefit from the curve so benefit from those increased interest rates as you go further out um, but what was very what's very different now compared to what was uh, the environment we were in for many years in sort of the ultra low interest rate environment was that the fact that if you are able to term out so if you can you know place a three-month deposit with a bank or go into a, a longer data product there's benefit to be had there and there's a delta between overnight products and those term products so not much has changed in terms of what's available to treasurers in over the last sort of you know, two, three years in terms of the, the the interest rate. But those products that are there, so term deposits and, and the like, they're suddenly more valuable. They're suddenly able to actually improve returns on a material basis versus their overnight um, positions in, in a money market fund or in a current account or something like that.
2: What about the treasuries, the treasury departments that have abundance of cash? Are they just sat there laughing nowadays saying, hey, look, this is... A- this is what we were waiting for. And uh, now we, we get to be the ones that are scoffing instead of maybe five years ago, those were the ones that everyone was like, why are you, why are you sitting on so much cash? Like money's cheap.
1: I think suddenly you can make your cash work harder, which is, which is great. You can get a bit of a return. And, you know, if you've got, um, let's just say, if you've got a hundred million sat in surplus cash and you're able to make 5%, you're, you're making 5 million on that, which obviously sounds, sounds great but it's with the backdrop of inflation so you know inflation's been as high you know as high as certainly you know i can remember for the last 20 years or so yes okay that there has been higher levels of interest rates historically inflation rather but we're suddenly in a higher inflationary period and of course that is eroding the value of those deposits now whether it's a it's a good thing to be sitting on you know extreme levels of cash who knows, right? It's it's hard to play off the advantage of having that cash available to you, but then also um, you know being able to manage it and, and place it into into you know longer term deposits. You know, and we'll come onto it probably, but there's always a playoff between liquidity and yield, and of course, above all of that is is security as well.
0: Oscar, thank you so much for all this. That's uh, that's rather clear. Um I'd like to come back on a few things you mentioned. Um with the cash being more valuable because bringing more interest rates whilst having a little bit more uncertainty right, by investing it in the, in the bank, because as you highlighted, it's an investment. You have a risk of losing it, even if it's low. And then you have to make a balance between the liquidity and the yield. Are companies and corporate treasury departments not tempted to just keep the cash in house and potentially not to sit on it because it's valuable, invest more within the company, what I'm asking is, is the rise in interest rates obviously meaning that there would be a rise in short-term investments from within the company towards the outside world with third parties, or does that simply mean that cash needs to be more strategically allocated, but not necessarily outside in short-term investments? What's your What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's really interesting. And of course it will vary massively from company to company and what their own strategy is. And if you think about the way a company should and, and most do look at cash, you can sort of segment it into separate buckets. So you have your working capital cash, and that's cash you're going to be dipping into and using all the time. So you're using it to pay your staff to pay vendors, um, it's going up and down like this, you're not sure exactly where it's going to be so that that cash has got to be into real cash products a real overnight investments. So whether that be something like a money market fund, or a current account in a in a bank, you then go into what you might call sort of excess cash. So this is the the, the pool of cash that you have that you know typically your working capital's not going to dip into it. So you've then got an option with that cash. And you know, are you gonna term it out three months? Are you gonna term it out six months and go outside of cash and cash equivalency into short term sort of investments on the balance sheet? Um, that's where you know you've kind of got to make the decision as a company. And then you have you know the the next sort of bucket, if you like, which is that strategic catch. So this is where you can take a longer term view. You know, where do I where do I think we are in the interest rate cycle? You know, do I think I can turn this out for twelve months plus now and get a maximum return? Like, are we hitting terminal interest rates about now? So this is a really interesting dynamic that's probably coming into people's mind right now with the Bank of England just today. You know, the the third of November is it the, is it the third or is it the second today? I always lose. I always track. 2nd November. The Bank of England's uh, committee meeting today um, at the MPC announcing they are keeping rates where they are. You know, this is probably an indication that maybe we're coming to those terminal levels as a treasurer's got to start thinking about, well, if I've got this cash, if I term it out now for a longer period, I'm getting the maximum amount out of that. I guess it always depends about, you know, how is a treasurer viewed? Are they there as a value add? Do they have this big pool of cash and their job is to try and make that work as as hard as possible, or is it all about just keeping it as safe as possible? I think it's somewhere in between. Um, you know, you've got to always prioritize the the capital preservation because if you lose that cash, you know the company may not be able to run. We know that cash is the lifeblood of an ex- of an organization. So, I think it's a bit of a, a bit of a here, there, and everywhere else for you Guillaume. But I think it varies, I think, it, and I think it depends on, on how you're bucketing up that cash, you know, is it in operational? Is it in strategic or is it in sort of that excess, that excess bucket dependent on, on what you can do with it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Makes lots of sense. Let's just, let's assume then that we are looking at, um, third party short-term investment tools. What are the most popular instruments for treasurers right now to park their cash? In the short term especially given the current context i think you brought up the the repo a bit earlier maybe we can delve into this type of instruments that are options for treasurers
1: yeah absolutely i think you know it comes back to that old adage of sly so security liquidity yield Um, and i'd sort of like to throw in the third the fourth um, term there which is which is diversification you know treasurers will always want to be able to be diversified secured liquid and and then get a recomm you know a, a uh a an appropriate level of yield um now what is popular as i was sort of alluding to earlier has been dictated by what is easy to access so you know you can easily access money market funds you can easily access term deposits um, in terms of other options that have been or are available to treasurers something like a a repo you know this is usually an instrument which takes a lot of heavy lifting to access You need to appoint your lawyers to agree your GMRA so your global master repurchase agreements there's a lot of work that goes into setting up those transactions when you get there they're great from a risk adjusted return perspective not only are you so first of all facing a very high quality bank but you actually then have this almost comfort blanket of collateral which can be liquidated at you know at any point given a default and also the way in which you're funding that bank from a regulatory capital point of view um, is, is very favorable to them meaning they can pay a higher return so you can be in this somewhat um strange position of taking less risk but getting a higher return uh, and that sometimes people gets uh, you know people struggle to get their head around a little bit but this is as I say this is how the very large investment banks manage their cash they always do it on a secured basis I think if there was somewhere where you could access repo much more easily without any of that heavy lifting, this would be a very popular instrument because it kind of ticks all those boxes of security um, offering you a way to manage liquidity risk. And we can talk about what liquidity risk is in a, in a bit as well, maybe. And of course it gives you a, a, an appropriate level of yield. Um, but just to think really about diversification, I think it's really interesting, right? You know, We think about diversification on one level really, which is just being diversified, diversified across institutions. So a treasurer might think, like, right, you know, I've got ten banks. Um, I use a couple of money market funds. I'm really well diversified. So if we think about the banks for a second, you know, they're pretty linked. There's contagion risk there for sure. Um, you know, it's it's they're, they're all open to the same sort of risks. We saw what happened with Credit Suisse when that was going on. Um, some of the other banks across Europe were looking a little bit on the edge. Um, so there is a degree of contagion there so are you truly diversified if you're only ever in in banks and then if we think about money market funds yes they invest across a number of different securities and do provide a decent level of diversification but there's a limited universe to what those money funds can invest in so if you're in one two three money market funds you're pretty much just doubling down on 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 credit risk to those underlying institutions that of course there's the utilities they do provide, they do provide that diversification. Um, but if you are a, a corporate with you know high levels of cash, really opening up another money market fund, it's not adding any diversification. And so I like to think about diversification on those two levels, it's across institutions. So, you know, spreading my credit risk, but also across asset classes. So when I say asset classes, sectors, right? So I like to think about the financial sector, so that's your banks, but then also, governments and government agencies, so government-like risk. So do I have a way of placing money directly into the government or into an SSA, so a super sub-sovereign or agency? Do I have that facility? Um, and then also, is there something in my treasury policy that allows me to buy corporate paper? Because again, that is to- totally diversified away from those financial risks. So the same risks that apply to all those multiple banks, they're not quite the same when it comes to a corporate. So I think so long as corporates are thinking about, you know, how can I truly diversify my cash? Um, and they've, they've got other places they can place it, which isn't just a bank or a money fund. Um, I think they've got a pretty suitable policy
0: there. Is it something that you see, uh, companies investing in commercial paper? Is it something common? I'm wondering because if we consider banks being risky nowadays, aren't corporates even more? Like, is it something you see in the market?
1: So, it is something we see um, that corporates are buying other corporates' paper. That does happen. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the difference between the US sort of corporate treasury market and, and UK slash Europe in, in a second. Um, but if you think about how most corporates, view banks and their credit risk, they're using credit rating agencies, right? They're looking at them, they're saying, okay, SA, SAP has this rating, um, Fitch has this rating, it's, it's, above, my, it's above my threshold, it's, it's A minus or better, it's okay, I can, I can use them and think, done. Um, whereas actually, a lot of these corporates who are out there issuing paper also have pretty strong credit ratings from these, from these agencies. And so from a risk perspective, if they're rating it as an A and there's a bank rate today, then then it's looking it's looking pretty good. And as I say, it's offering diversification, which is the, which is the key. A risk which is going to affect a corporate, if you're lending money to that corporate, isn't necessarily going to affect that bank. But a risk that bank may well then affect that whole banking sector and 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 have contagion. So of course there is risk, and you should put appropriate measures in place to to you know mitigate that. I e you know you may Have a monetary limit on how much you can place with other corporates or indeed again a credit rating limit that you have to you know they have to be a rated or better whatever it might be um but i do think there's a place for buying corporate paper directly and i touched on it just a second ago but in the us market in particular this is something which is much more routinely done um you know other corporates are appointing you know short-term portfolio managers and managing cash um, in-house and using CP um, because it's a valuable tool to diversify, but also to, to get a, a, a an attractive yield and an attractive risk adjusted return given the credit rating um, of those institutions. So it's something like that direct securities purchases in the US is much more common than it is in Europe. And you've got to sort of ask why, you know, and I, I think the, the, question, the answer rather is, you know, there's just the market access there that there are, there is the way of doing, there are ways of doing it. Whereas here and, and across Europe, it's limited, but it's growing. And I think, um, that'll be something which will be really interesting to see over the next sort of few years as, as it grows.
2: It's a lot of reliance on the credit rating agencies there. I mean, the, I guess with banks, if you're taking, uh, if you're getting your liquidity from a bank, then you, you kind of only have to watch the financial sector. Right. And to see how is the financial sector doing? That's kind of addictive the economy overall. And people kind of understand that a bit better. When you start going into corporate papers as a treasurer, do I need to start taking into account, okay, yeah, Fitch rated them an A minus, but uh, how is the overall trucking industry doing if I'm getting a logistics company's papers? Or how is the overall um, software space doing? Or, the, or what? You have all these other industries you need to start watching as well, right? Does that, does that not make it far more difficult?
1: So, so I think it's a really good point. Um, reliance on the credit rating agencies, and if you look what happened with Credit Suisse, you know, I can't remember the exact dates, but it took, you know, it was very close to the UBS takeover that they actually got downgraded. So, you know, unless you were looking at the CDS rates, which were blowing up, you know, six months prior, then really you might not have, you know, you might not have um, pulled out of uh, out of Credit Suisse if you were purely relying on those those credit rating agencies. So. Do I think a corporate treasurer is ever going to place, you know, fifty plus percent of their liquidity with other corporates? No, that's not going to happen. But a lot of corporates are already exposed to CP by their money market funds. You know, money market funds are purchasing these instruments, so they already are doing that. If they had a way of buying those pa- those papers directly, could they place an element of their portfolio in them? I think so. Um, you know, you certainly wouldn't place a great deal. I don't think um but you would probably use it because you're right it's impossible for a treasurer to stay on top of the trucking industry the logistics industry and all of these things as well as doing everything else that they do and and you know to a certain extent that's why there is the reliance on the credit rating agencies because treasurers simply don't have the bandwidth to you know have a have a team of credit rate uh, credit analysts who are working away in the background and looking at balance sheets and whatnot to do those
2: because you you're at the complexity of your counterparty risk just goes up as well with it, right? Because of these industries. And we did an episode where we talked about credit rating agencies and I think you, if you're sub investment, you're only getting reviewed every six months. And if you're investment grade, you're getting reviewed every year. And a lot can happen in the years we've seen in the last couple of years as well, right? So it's...
1: Exactly. And there are are some tools out there which are trying to sort of change this and, and to allow for better transparency um, and I think you know, treasurers should be should be aware of some of those because um, they are really interesting. Because it's it's certainly a space where, at the moment, it's a little bit opaque. Like you say, they don't get updated quickly enough. They're a little bit backward looking rather than forward looking. Um, and I think there are tools out there which can which can really help.
2: I think we covered one in our AI newsletter, but I can't actually remember the name of it. The Credit rating. Uh, no, it basically. was on counterparty risk. Yes, uh, it was looking at it was an ai which was scouring the news for um the
0: a specific industry and yeah. we'll tell you because of what's happening that's a predictive model
2: yeah and giving correct
0: i don't remember it. the name of it we'll put
2: it in the show notes after 100%. we find it and, and we'll do that but It was an interesting company indeed that treasures could indeed um be looking at it so given Given all of these challenges, diversification is indeed. So you also mentioned that your money market fund already has these CPs, but probably at a percentage or a diversification which you can't control, right? On um, you could always go into the market for other money market funds and and compare different ones and say, okay, this one's a little bit more risk, This one's a little less, um, and then and then work accordingly. But then having that flexibility to do it yourself, that that's kind of what you're advocating for, right? Which is that hey, look, you're going to get it anyway, and it's baked into the money market funds doing it directly would probably be a little bit cheaper. You probably save on some of the fees, but also uh, allows you to have the flexibility on how much you're diversifying, right?
1: Yeah, I just I just think it's it's another way you can add an element of diversification to your portfolio. I think, you know, what's probably more relevant and, and more comfortable for treasurers is being able to access governments or SSAs, so super subsovereigns and agencies. So establishing those connections um, via whomever may be able to provide it uh, is really important. So rather than taking bank risk, you can take government risk, you know, and rather than taking government risk, you can take agency risk or, or sub sovereign um, who carry very high credit ratings, um, you know, and are probably in most cases, majority government owned these, these agencies. And so I think, you know, I'm not sitting here and saying, all corporates should start buying loads of other CP. It's just another tool um which if you have the access to you 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 afford yourself that choice you know that ability to access it you are if you are in money market funds as i say you will have an element of exposure to it already um so you know don't be so adverse to it i would be my uh, my take
2: it's tough to get a corporate treasurer to not be risk adverse. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is about
1: risk. It's about it's about diversifying. That's what it's about. It's about you know not being purely exposed to the to the financial sector. Um, you know maybe you start with getting access to government bills right before that and SSA paper, and then you think about that corporate corporate risk
2: makes a lot of sense. So in that order of priorities that you highlighted earlier, capital safety, liquidity, yield, you put them diversification in there as well. And have those priorities changed over the last few years uh, with everything that's been going on? Or I don't know if the right question is, have the priorities changed? Or rather, have the importance or the weighting of each of those priorities changed at all, in your opinion?
1: yeah I, th- I think it comes it comes back to what we talked about earlier i mean i definitely think it still runs true security liquidity yields and diversification baked in there somewhere as well it in that order you know the the importance of cash can't really be understated the importance of being able to pay your staff pay your vendors keep keep the business running you know is, is the is the utmost priority so capital preservation it, i think is is always going to be number one you know what has changed is we have this thing called you know interest rates now. You know, two three years ago, we didn't have those, and it made no odds if you invested in an overnight vehicle or in a three month term deposit or a six month investment or whatever it might be. Your rate of return was not material, right? It wasn't making a material difference to you, um, and it wasn't that long ago, right? Where you, we were in euro uh, negative rates. So you know things are looking very different now to how they were, and it does take a little while. To sort of i think change the mindset that actually you know if i do term out there are there are significant material differences to be made so i don't think the priority has changed i still think it's it's that order that's that isn't that that is how a treasurer should think and, and does think um but the benefit of terming out has has seriously uh increased and, and and add to it and so now you know a cfo is going to be looking at their cash portfolio seeing what they've got alright oh, we're, we're all overnight we're, we're in all we're, all we're only in a current account or we're only in a money market fund you know is there something else we can be doing um to to improve the returns in this cash and, and offset as we talked about earlier that the impact of inflation so i think just to sort of um you know come back to the question same order definitely of priority but it's now got this added element of actually i can add material returns to my my cash
0: you said something else very interesting here, Oscar. Um, you brought in the CFO. So whilst we focus on the different options for the treasurer, as cash is becoming emperor, if, uh, if I may, um, to the burn with cash is king, does the importance of cash, has the importance of cash become so big that now CFOs and even maybe boards in your perspective are looking into what type of investments are made? Because now it's not about, okay, but whether we get 0.2% or 0.5% on our excess of cash. Now we're talking about 10 times the amount. Um, Is the importance of cash becoming so big that it's looked upon by higher people in the hierarchy?
1: Uh, Definitely. And and just to touch on your point there, cash is emperor. I really like it. I mean, I heard cash is trash a little while ago, but I I don't think that's ever true, right? You know, it's never trash. And I think emperor or empress or, or king or queen is definitely uh, is definitely right and yeah from my experience it is certainly taking more attention from from top of house i think you know, talking to treasurers there's a little bit more impetus on you know not only um keeping it safe and, and and making sure it's appropriately managed from a from a risk perspective um but also thinking about how am i making it work better for us because, like I say, the environment we're in now is just hugely different to what we were in a a few a, you know a few short years ago, and and you know one risk we haven't touched on much is is that liquidity risk, um, because of course you know you can you can you can tie up cash, but if you're in a in a vehicle you can't unlock at all. There's an element of risk there. But of course you can also be in maturity transformed vehicles like, um you know like a money market fund where you're getting same day access, but actually your cash is spread across via, you know, instruments from from one day all the way out to 12 months and sort of everything in between. Although you get that same day liquidity on 100% of your cash and so does everyone else. So there is a, a degree of risk there um, because if more than 20% or more than 30%, depending on where the cash is managed, want to get their cash out, they're not going to be able to. And then there could be a run on the fund. And so this is something that needs to be thought about, and it is thought about, you know, there's been various different, um, sort of fees and gates have, have have been implemented into the money fund industry to sort of offset this risk. Um, it does seem to be changing all the time, um, with, with, with where we are. Um, but it's just another element of risk that, that people need to be thinking about when managing cash. Um, but look, I definitely think cash is, is top, you know, not maybe perhaps not top priority. But it's certainly up there and
0: certainly is cash is, is, is emperor or something like that. Getting there. I think according to recent surveys, uh, cash flow forecasting is the number one priority of CFOs and treasurers. So not directly, okay, where are we going to invest our cash, but pretty, pretty close to it.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think with cash flow forecasting, right, if you have that you know, button down, that then leads to the ability to then manage cash better. It means you can invest it further out. It means right. I know I'm not going to need this pocket of fifty million for the next three six months. I can go and find out where I can place it in a cash vehicle um, to 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 get a higher return um, because I know I'm not going to need that. You know, it's it's cash cash flow forecasting is an interesting one because it always will come back to you know. I, I think we we talk about trash already, but garbage in, garbage out um, in terms of cash flow forecasting. So these tools are great, but it's all about getting the right data. And if treasurers can get that right, get the right inputs from their various different teams across the world and everything, and then they can get a great sight of where their cash is and what position they are in their cycles, and then they can manage it more effectively, then we're on for a sort of a golden ticket if you
0: like. 100%. Something you brought up earlier is the difference between the the US and Europe. Um, Could we dive a little bit more into this? Like if location plays such a big role, um, in short-term investment decisions from treasurers from your perspective what are the main differences in terms of markets and landscape um, between the US and Europe mm-hmm. and therefore what are the consequential options for treasurers between these two regions as well
1: yeah definitely definitely I mean there's a few key ones um, I think and look I'm not I'm not sitting here saying I'm an absolute expert and I know you know, exactly what every US treasurer thinks compared to every European treasurer. But broadly speaking, I think US treasurers maybe are viewed slightly more as a, as a, um, a value-add sector in that, you know, you can grow the business. So you take this cash and you make it work harder, you invest it, and that's why these short-term investment portfolio managers are coming in and they're, and they're actually managing the cash more like a portfolio. Um, it's why seg mandates are more popular over there so people are going to asset managers and saying here's a big pool of cash look after it for me manage it within these confines or what have you you know we have those in the uk and across europe but it's not quite the same level of of popularity so i think that's one thing um you know in in and then in and then in um the uk and europe it's viewed as more about you know protecting that treasure protecting the cash and making sure it's there for the people who need it and yeah okay if you can get a bit of a return then that's great obviously what we've just talked about is that that's changing slightly um, and I think it will continue to Um, but yeah there's certainly there's certainly a difference in that in that respect and then you know we touched on it again earlier but it's about the, the the access the US treasurers have and there's much more openness to direct security purchases so buying UST bills, or investing in in US government bonds, you know, further out uh, the curve, um, or as we talked about, buying corporate paper or SSA paper. There are plenty of market makers out there who are doing this in the US, and it just seems more more commonly done than what we do here in here in in Europe. Um, and and yeah, and I think that's that they're, they're sort of the two two of the key differences that that I sort of found over the last sort of a few weeks being being over there at the AFP and whatnot um you know things things are fluid and of course they vary from company to company you have some companies here who are really looking for that that higher return in, in their cash portfolios and then you have companies who, who don't care so there's a cultural element both within the the region they're in but then within the company itself
0: hmm. Oscar, one of our favorite exercise on the corporate treasury one oh one is to chase down and break acronyms uh, to make them understandable. We've touched upon quite some that uh, we've already touched upon in the podcast, so it's it's fine. But you mentioned SSA paper. Could you could you explain this, please?
1: Yeah, look, so it's just it's just a broad term for the super subsovereigns and agencies, agency world. So these are exactly that, so they're supranationals, so which are government-like organizations um, who go out to market and raise, um, raise debt. So they might do that via issuing paper, issuing bonds, um, and you purchase these typically via a broker-dealer. Um, and so these often carry a, a high credit rating. So because of their ownership structure, you know they might be 60% government owned, 70% government owned, um, or they might be one hundred percent government owned and, and raising debt on behalf of the government. So it's another place where treasurers can can diversify away from purely financial risks or purely corporate risk or wherever else you might be spending cash. Um yeah. And sometimes people just refer it to as the agency mark. Not owned.
2: Super interesting. What's something new today? Um Oscar, thank you so much. Clearly that was it's a super interesting field. I think there's a lot going on in that specific space, especially with, you know, everyone frantically running around to figure out what they're going to do with this high interest rate environment, or at least what's the best thing that they can get out of it, right? Um, I want to touch a little bit on uh, Treasury Spring, which is the organization that you're from. And um, so what do you guys offer to corporates in terms of short term investment solutions?
1: Yeah, so so we are a bit different. We do We do offer something a little alternative um so we are the only institutional cash platform that allows businesses to access the very best in in cash products when you think about risk adjusted returns so we allow businesses via one onboarding one kyc process to access over 75 different counterparties so those counterparties range from the banks we've mentioned the ssas governments and including some corporates you know more nascently that that's that corporate field um and importantly what we do is we allow for repo so allow businesses to access the repo market so we've built the infrastructure built the connectivity built all of that pipe work so clients can come into our platform and access secured lending products to these banks and we believe that these repo products offer some of the highest risk adjusted returns available in the market so we have around 300 corporate treasurers using us at the moment across a variety of different industries um, so whether that be you know, uh, large listed businesses or financial institutions or small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, And we've seen over $75 billion worth of issuance via our platform. And really, you know, um, the need for Treasury Spring was sort of forged in, you know, when you think about hedge funds and you think about banks and other very large financial institutions who are very sophisticated and you think about how they manage cash, what are they doing? They're thinking about cash as a proper investment. And so they are thinking, right, where is my credit risk and, and, and what is it? And is there a way to lower it? And the way in which most of these businesses do it, most of these large sophisticated organizations do it, is via that repo market. So they don't only take that bank risk. They take a collateral. So they take a position of, of securities. So they, whether that be high quality liquid assets like government debt or what have you, um or a broader basket of debt this is then posted to the tri-party agent the tri-party agent manages that on behalf of the client and then should that bank go bust this basket of collateral is then liquidated and clients get their cash back that way but accessing this product very difficult time consuming expensive all of the above um, and what we've done is enabled them to do it quickly and easily
2: Typical. and that's your specific usb is the getting access yeah. to the, the hard stuff easier.
1: Exactly right. So I, I, I would say, you know, we have probably about a third of our assets under management is in repo right now. You know, maybe another third in um, SSA and then the rest in direct government and corporate and unsecured bank risk. Something like that is probably the split. Um, but what makes us different is we've broken down the barriers to, to access repo. You know, no, no one else has done that as yet. Um, it's so, so what we're doing is enabling businesses to manage their cash in a more efficient way, very easily without the usual heavy lifting, the usual onboarding and everything.
2: And have you seen that, that business model that you offer is a lot more favorable in the current interest rate climate? And if so, what's that, what advantage do treasurers get? From that yeah definitely so
1: like look i mean we offer anything from one week all the way out to one year and the way in which we deliver that is by fixed term funds so these term these fixed term funds offer exactly that so it's a defined credit risk to a single obligor of the client's choosing for a defined period of time and the cash is always held to maturity so these vehicles are self-liquidating and there's no mark to market volatility so you put your cash in you get your cash back plus the level of interest that was that was agreed and sometimes that could be secured so if they've chosen a a, a repo sometimes it can be government so it might be a uk t-bill or a french government t-bill or dutch government t-bill whatever it might be it might also be some ssa paper now you know what's different about what our platform is clients on board once they kyc once and they have access to that full curve so they can keep their cash relatively liquid in a one-week repo product if they like. They can keep their cash out three months, you know, sort of keeping it under cash and cash equivalency rules. Or if they want to, if they think we're getting to terminal interest rates, they might term it out even further. Go out to a year and make the maximum use of that value. I think, you know, with any cash product which is, which is offering term, you know, having very, very low interest rates means that, you know, terming it out isn't that valuable of course, rising interest rates, you know, the opportunity cost of doing nothing with your money has, has increased massively. And so now clients are able to do that with, you know, with us via one platform.
2: Super interesting. And do you, are you managing these funds yourself or are you sort of like a broker for multiple firm funds? Out there? So-
1: so look, a good question. So we're not a broker. We're out there originating these these deals. So we have the relationship with the underlying banks, with the underlying SSAs, or if we're using a broker-dealer, with the broker-dealer as well. So what a client does is they come into our platform. They'll choose from a menu of short-dated fixed-income products. So whether that be um, a one-week repo or a three-month SSA paper or a two-month government bill, they'll then select that. We then, on the other side of that, go away and purchase the underlying asset. And then their client is issued a fixed-term fund, which is their fixed-term fund, and their fixed-term fund alone. Um, and so it gives them full legal segregation from everyone else on the platform in, in other products. So their credit risk is only with the obligor that they've chosen. And they're totally there's there no commingling whatsoever. So there's no one else's cash in there. It's their cash and their cash alone. And also there's no maturity transformation. So if i'm in a one month fixed term fund the underlying asset is a one month asset which means there's no liquidity risk in the sense of marks market volatility what you get is you put your cash in and then you
0: receive a cash back plus interest upon maturity amazing that sounds like something that could be differently of interest what's required though on the implementation side of things oscar for a corporate like do they access your dashboard or your solution from The cloud do you integrate with the TMS how how does this whole thing work?
1: so it's a simple desktop website so simple API clients log in they'll um you know they log in passwordless entry using um you know google or microsoft 365 or whatever it might be and then they've got access to all of those different places for cash now in terms of integration you know clients we produce reporting which we plugged into TMS So clients can see within their TMS where their holdings are, and we produce monthly statements and everything like that as well. Um, We plug into other portals in terms of reporting if clients want to see them within those. Um, So there's no complicated integration needed. There's no TMS implementation process or anything like that. This is a, a, from a a technology standpoint, in terms of actually using it, it's very straightforward, very,
0: very easy to do. if you don't mind me asking, Oscar, what's the, so how does it work? Is it the corporates paying for the solution? Um, and then there is like some bids on the investment. Is it on the bank side? How does it, how does it work exactly if you don't yeah, mind sharing?
1: So, so a client, a client invests and they get a rate of return, which might be, let's yeah. just say 5%. And that encompasses any cost fees that we have. So we don't charge an onboarding fee. We don't charge um you know a usage fee there's no minimum balances required so if a client likes the look of a price and they invest then they'll do that and then that's where we make our money within that transaction already built in so if a client sees five percent client gets five percent
0: awesome oscar thank you so much anything else you'd like to add to short-term investment the landscape what treasurers can have and choose among uh, the different options or Treasury Spring, even. Did we cover everything or anything you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, just in terms of, of short term investments broadly, right? You know, what, what, does a, what does a client want to be thinking about? You know, they want to be thinking about their credit risk. So who is the, what is the institution they're placing it with? So are they looking at credit rating agencies? Are they doing their own in-house analysis? Are they using all of these tools we touched on earlier? So they want to know where that cash is and who it's with. They want to think about, you know, do they have access to alternative homes for cash? So something like the government or SSA, which we've touched on, or even accessing corporate paper, which might be a bit, bit of a stretch for some treasurers, but having somewhere where they can diversify, not only across institutions, but also across asset classes, sectors. And then they might also want to think about how can I take collateral? So how can I access a repo? so that in the case of a default, I have that security. So is there a way in which I can, I can do these things? Because, you know, again, it comes back to stripping it back. You know, what is cash management? It's investment. You are managed, you're making decisions with that cash and there is risk to that cash. Um, I think we're in a really challenging time. You know, we're at high levels of inflation, high interest rates, bit of a guess to try and work out where terminal rates will be. Are we in higher for longer? Are we going to see a cut soon? So it is an interesting time. Um, But I think it's, you know, uh, that's, I think really that's how clients should think about it. And, you know, what one thing, one instrument that offers sort of that security is, is repo. And at the moment, you know, what we're doing is breaking down the barriers to enable easier access to it. It's it's as, it's as simple,
0: it's as simple as that. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Oscar, if our listeners would like to know more about you or Treasury Spring, where should they go?
1: Absolutely. So, TreasurySpring.com is our is our website. We're also obviously on LinkedIn, and we're regularly posting on there. Feel free to reach out to me directly, um, OCoil at TreasurySpring.com, and we'd be more than happy to connect. Um, look, we're at the all the conferences, sort of on the circuit you might expect. We're going to the Atel later this month in Luxembourg. I mean, it may be before this podcast is out, but um, we're there, we'll be across Europe at the DACT in March as well. Um, And then of course, the usual conferences of the UK,
0: the ACT, ESG conference as well. Fantastic, absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, Oscar.
1: Thank you both, cheers.